The Thread is a new hit podcast from Aussie Media that explores history's surprising connections in order to discover how one thing leads to another. Like how John Lennon's murder connects all the way back to communist leader Vladimir Lenin. Get it on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen. Entering the Freedom Hut. At least five dead in a newsroom shooting in Annapolis, Maryland. We'll bring you all of the latest on that incident. Plus, today, some fireworks down on Capitol Hill between Rod Rosenstein of the Department of Justice and members of Congress who aren't buying what Rosenstein is selling. Looks like the deep state could be in full-on cover-up mode. We've got that and everything else from today's news, including the latest thoughts on Supreme Court picks to replace Justice Kennedy. That and more coming up. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Privilege and a pleasure to have you here with me, as always. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with me. I want to bring you up to speed on the the uh, latest here on this breaking news story. We uh, do not have a, a full sense of, you know, where all this is going. We, we do not yet know anything about motive. Um, but we do have the Maryland governor, Larry, Larry Hogan. We'll, we'll get some sound from him in just a moment here. We'll hear what he has to say. Here's what we know. Five people killed, several other gravely injured during a shooting at the newsroom of the Capitol Gazette in Annapolis, Maryland. Capitol Gazette is a newspaper there. Um, An unidentified suspect is in custody. They got nothing right now on motive. I believe police made it to the scene of this shooting within 60 seconds. So a very fast police response time. Early reports indicate that a shotgun was used here. Uh, And I'm seeing here, according to the Daily Mail. Now, remember, all these early reports, you got to You got to just know that it's not yet confirmed. And we're just not sure. But a ponytailed white male carrying a long gun and explosive device. This is the headline on the the Daily Mail um, has killed at least five people and three others gravely wounded. So obviously they were hit, too. They were shot. Um, Cops also have revealed that he purposefully damaged his fingertips so he could not be identified. What the heck is that? Believed to be in his late 20s. Remember, these are all this is all based on Daily Mail reporting, most of it coming off of NBC. Uh, blonde ponytail, black T-shirt, olive pants. Uh, don't have... Don't have much more on other than that. Uh, but this damaging a fingertip, so essentially removing his fingertips uh, so that he couldn't be identified, that is something that I believe was actually done in the very haunting movie Seven. If you remember, the guy cuts off his, I believe the guy cuts off his fingertips in that so that he can't be identified either. So he has no fingerprint analysis possible. The, uh, so that's what we know about the suspects so far. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan spoke out on this one. Play 22. Sorry, we had a quick uh, machine reset there, so we'll play 
There we go. Go ahead. Thoughts play. and prayers are with the victims and their families. And uh, I want to thank the the uh, law enforcement professionals who responded. Our emergency response team was is, they did an incredible job. They're still doing the job right now. But the fact that they responded within 60 seconds, I want to I want to give uh, serious praise to uh, Anne Arundel County and the city of Annapolis uh, for for their response. And we were here with the state agencies to back them up. We have federal agencies. Uh, it's a tragic uh, situation. We can't, we don't have all the information yet, and we can't give all the information yet because it's an active crime scene and investigation. But uh, we uh, we have had uh, several fatalities and several people there in the hospital, and uh, we'll just leave it to the professionals to continue their ongoing investigation. So we just don't have that much more information, as as you heard there from Governor uh, Governor Hogan. You have a suspect in custody, blonde ponytail, black T-shirt, olive pants. That doesn't really tell us anything. Uh, so and we know he's a white guy in his 20s. And people are all jumping all over the place with motive. We'll, we'll get to that in, in just a, a second. And I'll say that uh, what we do know, if we're going to analyze the facts that we have at hand instead of just making things up and running around and acting like we know things we don't. Um, interesting that he... Is believed to have used he's believed to use a shotgun, which is clearly going to factor into uh, the gun debate that's already breaking out. And every time there's a shooting now that gets national media coverage, it turns into a gun issue, and it doesn't really go anywhere with regard to policy, but uh, it turns into a, a gun control fight. But that he used a shotgun and shot through the glass door of the offices and opened fire on the newspaper employees. This indicates one of the problems I've always talked about, which is even when you have a facility that is, let's, I, I'm going to guess here, maybe they had key card access only. Right. Okay, well, what if the guy shoots through the doors? You know, these are the things you have to keep in mind, uh, that, that there's no such thing as a, as a perfect security system. If somebody wants to get in and hurt innocent people who are not expecting a, a madman with a, with a weapon to come at them, there's, you can mitigate the risks. You can limit the damage. You can limit the casualties. Um, but that's as far as it can go. There's no such thing as perfect security when you're trying to get a, a facility like this to uh, be able to withstand an active shooter incident. Remember, police responded within 60 seconds. And already you've got, uh, you've got uh, five people killed. So this is what I always tell people when they say, oh, well, you know, police response and everything. It, it, there's... When you have somebody who wants to do evil, who wants to kill people, very hard to save all lives in that circumstance. And a 60-second response time from the cops is incredibly quick. Uh, so that's, I don't, you're not going to get any faster than that. This isn't a police response thing. You know, some of the other incidents that I've talked to you about, Pulse nightclub shooting, Las Vegas shooting, uh, the obviously the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting, police response was questionable at best. I mean, in Marjorie Stoneman, uh, Stoneman Douglas case, I think the police response from a couple of officers. Remember, some officers showed up and all they wanted to do was go in there and deal with the threat. But the first officer, as we know on the scene, got cold feet, didn't want to go in there, didn't want to do anything. Uh, we don't have much on the motive at all. We got nothing. Because of the overheated political climate right now, everyone's going to be jumping to whatever their favored political analysis is, right? Whatever storyline they want to tell themselves makes them uh, feel better about things. That's what they're going to do. 
And all I can say on this one is I've worked counterterrorism cases. I've done this professionally. You just have you just have no idea. Could very easily be a disgruntled employee. Could be somebody with a vendetta against an individual there who just wanted to go and kill as many people as possible. Uh, somebody maybe is just one of these go out in a psychotic blaze of mass murder glory shooters and had some connection to this place. Maybe he just knew the facility. You remember, that's always a big factor in how many casualties there are and how dangerous these incidents are is when somebody knows their way around a place, they're, they're going to have a higher, proba- a higher probability of more casualties, right? Because, you know, if somebody doesn't know an office they walk into, maybe they get you know, lo- locked into one area. Maybe they don't realize how quickly people can exit a certain zone. So it's essentially a, a kind of reconnaissance that somebody has just from knowing the, uh, the target and knowing their way around. Uh, I, I got nothing for you on the motive of this guy. People are going to say that it's, uh, that it's maybe brought about by the, I see. I, uh, one thing that I will just also state, I do not know anything about the cap, about the, uh, newspaper here the capital gazette maryland's capital gazette so I, I can't even begin to analyze does it is it leaning left is it leaning right and and i think at that point at this point it's kind of a fool's errand anyway because you just don't know you can't look into this incident and say to yourself well i can see i like i can't even say a likely political motive so i can't even say this is likely to be terrorism but notice I, I go on fox i go in other places I used to go on CNN all the time to analyze terrorism, and I can tell you what the probability is based on the facts, uh, based on the factors at play. Here, I, I can't do that with regard to motive because I think there's so much that's open territory here, and nothing really points at, at anything. Just, you know, we just we just got a mass shooting on our hands. We don't know much beyond that. And and then, as you know, this quickly turns into a discussion about guns. That's the way that. The Democrats treat all of these incidents. And you had uh, Nicole Wallace, who I believe was formerly considered a Republican, worked for the Bush administration, and now spends all of her time doing everything she can to harm Republican interests. That seems to be her. That's her choice. That's, you know, it's a free country. Uh, but she turned to uh, this and, and was you know very upset about this and uh, wants action, which we're going to hear from a lot of people. We want action on this. Play clip 21. It's a depressing point, but a true one. I mean, if Newtown can happen and nothing changes, if Parkland happens and nothing changes, if they're hunting our babies and nothing changes, then then what makes something change? What would change here? 60-second response from police. Shooter used a shotgun. So are we going to ban shotguns now? You see, this is where they're going to automatically run into trouble by claiming that there needs to be a a policy response to this. There are security responses. There are discussions to be had about how to make a target less of a soft target, about how to have a workforce that understands at a basic at a, you know at a very basic level. We're not going to be able not everybody's going to be able to you know get turned into delta force, right? You know, th- that's not the way this is going to go. But just having a basic safety plan in place and an understanding of what to do in an active shooter incident here, here's a really simple thing, and this is something that was drilled into us, and I mean drilled into our mindset in the agency, you know, get off the X. When you are in a situation, when you're in a circumstance, 
where you are under, under mortal threat, you do not stay put. Right? Unless you have reason to believe that you are sheltering in place and you are safe, get off the X. If somebody's ambushing you, if all of a sudden the bullets start flying, you got to move. If you just, you know, bury your head in the proverbial sand and hope that the, the storm passes, you're in a lot of trouble, right? Get off the X. Move. Take action. So I think that's a, that's a very, very important thing for everyone to just keep in mind. No matter what your specific circumstances are of an incident, you've got to know that you don't freeze. You won't freeze. Uh, in terms of, you know, the... The gun control discussion here, what I can say about that is it's a shotgun. This, this is this is a, a weapon that if you're going to even pretend there is such a thing as the right to bear arms so that people can be sportsmen and hunt, which the right to bear arms has nothing to do with sports and hunting. But, you know, you'll, you'll have these Democrat politicians that go on TV and they'll say, oh, you know, I'm a sportsman. I'm a hunter. You know, I think you should be able to have a shotgun. I just don't think you should have a bazooka. You'll hear these straw man arguments all the time. Well, this was a shotgun. This is why, you know, it wasn't an AR. It wasn't a, a, a quote, assault rifle. It was a shotgun. Uh, we don't have much details on it. Look, there's, there are shotguns and there are shotguns, right? I'm guessing this wasn't a side-by-side, you know, Elmer Fudd-style double barrel. I'm, I'm assuming that this probably was a, a, semi-auto, a semi-auto. But uh, nonetheless... You're not going to ban shotguns, so there's not a Second Amendment debate to really have here, unless you're going to say ban all firearms, unless that's going to be the approach. Some of the media will try that, but that's just a non-starter. You couldn't do it even if you wanted to do it. Even if, you know, 51% of the country was dead set against the Second Amendment, and that's not the case, but even if the Congress said, you know, voted without a single dissent to repeal the Second Amendment, you know, get rid of it, you're never going to... You're never going to get rid of firearms in this country. You're certainly never going to get rid of uh, long guns and shotguns in this country. And what would happen if the government tried would be terrifying, actually. Um, And I would never want to put any uh, government personnel, government agent, law enforcement officer in a place where they were going around trying to collect firearms because we all know how that would end up. It would not be good. So not a policy discussion to be had here. I can't give you much on the motive. People are going to say that it's a political temperature thing, maybe even a response to the open Supreme Court seat, that this guy could be a radical leftist. I don't know. Maybe. Possible. Certainly, certainly in the realm of, uh, you know, of, of options here. But he also could have been somebody who just had a grudge, just had a beef with somebody there. You know, this is what you think of. You know, remember when people used to go postal? That was a phrase that was used for postal workers who would, uh, this could be a workplace shooting. Simple as that. We just don't know. If we get more during the show, uh, I will certainly bring that to you right away. But I just want to update you. Five dead, more wounded, shotgun used, guys in custody. Police response was fast. At a newspaper in Annapolis, Maryland at the uh, Capitol Gazette. That's what we've got. 844-900-2825. buck A lot to work through today uh, with regard to these hearings on Capitol Hill. Uh, Rosenstein on the hot seat in a big way. Deep State is starting to get a little scared, I think. I think they, they're going to be running scared soon, so get ready for that. What stuns me is why the markets have not reacted to the lack of stability. They're beginning to on the tariffs. Without this prosperity, 
and a friend of mine pointed out this morning that it wasn't until Nixon's recession that the Watergate stuff drove. So if a recession hits... Mm -hmm. You we, think that's where he bottom falls out? I think so. Um, I, okay, good. <laughs> Check. You spoke to my better angel, but you can come back. Recession coming. <laughs> recession. Let's have lots of people lose their jobs in their homes. <laughs> MSNBC. Pretty gross. But uh, there's some truth to it. Uh, their messaging against the president, they're shooting They're shooting a BB gun at a, at a tank, my friends. They are. This is a super soaker at a freight train. It's just not going to do anything. Do you guys remember super soakers, by the way? I thought they were so cool. But when you used to watch the commercials with Super Soakers, uh, it looked like you were shooting a fire hose. You know, they had these, like, neon orange and all these cool. But then when you actually get one, it was like just a little water came out. And it was not as cool as it was in the commercials. Also true of slip and slides, by the way. Slip and slides in commercials look so awesome. And then if you've ever tried one, it's a great way to dislocate your shoulder. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. It's true, Mike. I may have known some people who have done some slip and slide, not entirely sober. I've heard things. I've seen things. I know a guy. And uh, you hit that slip and slide wrong when you weigh like 200 plus pounds, and whoo, it, uh, it is not padded well for you. The ground hurts. You're like, I'm going to make it all the way across. I'm going to set a record. No, you're not. Anyway, safety tip on slip and slides there. On the economy, though, MSNBC and others, they're right. They have to root for recession. They have to root for failure because they can try as much as they want right now. They can try and, and tell us that the economy is not good. We know they're lying. It is good. If it were bad, that's all we'd hear about. One of the amazing things was that Obama had the media so in his pocket that having a bad economy and a bad recovery out of a bad economy for four years. I'm not talking about the first year. Yeah, he inherited a recession, blah, blah. It's so sad. But even after four years, he was given a pass on that one by the media. They're like, oh, it was Bush's fault. It's all Bush's fault. With Trump, if things stay the way they are right now, my friends, forget about blue wave. It's going to be a red tsunami. That's what I think is going to happen. At least. I'm hoping that that's what's going to happen. Uh, very, very important stuff going on. Capitol Hill. We'll get into that. Deep State is running scared, but also... More talk about the Supreme Court seat that is now open because of Kennedy's retirement. I'll tell you how the, the libs are freaking out. And what do we have to do to own the libs with this uh, open seat? I will explain all of that and more in detailed Freedom Hut-style analysis. Stay with me. holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. No, I have no hope that he will appoint anything resembling a moderate uh, or uh, a justice uh, who will take both sides into, consider into consideration. I think what we're looking for is the uh, nomination of a right-wing extremist. I may be afraid of the next nominee uh, to the Supreme Court from Donald Trump, and we need to be able to right. express to the American people what it means as a woman of color uh, to be denied uh, equity and justice uh, in the system of justice in the United States. Right. My fear on the basis of who President Trump might nominate. 
We're looking at a, a, a destruction of the Constitution of the United States, as far as I can tell, based on all of the folks that he's been appointing thus far for lifetime appointments. This has got to be one of, and we all need to understand this, to be one of the most serious fights that we have yet to have had with this president. And we cannot relent. Kamala Harris, often talked about as a possible Democrat 2020 contender against Trump, saying there, and look, we, play, we played it for you folks. I'm not making this up. We're looking at the destruction of the Constitution. What does that even mean? In, in what way, how is it possible that the left interprets the Constitution to, me, to mean whatever they want, and the right is like, no, the Constitution is words. Words have meaning. We can understand that meaning. And with regard to legal interpretation, we should probably adhere to that meaning in some way. You know, we should, we should pay attention to it. But I guess it's more fun more fun for uh, the left to pretend that they can just say whatever they want about this because they're so upset. They're so upset. I'm just, like, freaking out. Like, why is the Constitution being, like, taken and, like, like chewed up and spit into, like, a little machine, like the spaghetti machine, and it's all, like, ripped and ruined? I don't know. They'll say whatever they want, right? They say this is destroying the Constitution. Meanwhile, everything that we know so far... Everything about this tells us that there is nothing that Democrats can do about it. There's nothing they should be able to do about it. The president is completely within his rights. You know, this is always really telling. They think that it is unconstitutional for the president to use his constitutional authority to do something that they don't like. That's that's pretty much what it comes out to. They've turned unconstitutional into a version of, I don't like that. That's not how it works. Not how any of this works. But this is something that they will say. This is something that they believe. And it's, you know, something that we all have to deal with here. So, you know, I just, I continue uh, looking at this and, and seeing the amount of, of freak out out there about all of this. And I would just say that, it's going to get it's going to get so much worse. That much is for sure. We are we can expect that the hyperbole will only increase. We can expect that there will be a lot more uh, crazy things that are said about all this. There'll be a lot more uh, in terms of people who are just running all over the place, trying to stoke all kinds of fears and trying to uh, create a situation where. We can't have a rational discussion about what the Supreme Court pick should be. And here's what's, here's what's at the bottom line, the, the reality here. They can't stop it. There's nothing they can do about it. They are not in a position to prevent the president from doing this. And so they're hoping for a pressure campaign, I guess. They're hoping to create some kind of uh, circumstance where maybe Jeff Flake or somebody else Caves gives in. Yeah, hope not. I hope I hope the Jeff Lake doesn't do that. I, I certainly have my concerns. Uh, Antonin Scalia, my favorite justice. May he rest in peace. Uh, Antonin Scalia. I, you know, I remember I've told you this when he came to speak at Amherst and the political science department boycott his speech, 
refused to stand there and and listen to any of his speech. And people showed up with black armbands. People showed up in duck costumes because Scalia was speaking and he had been duck hunting with Dick Cheney. And they had come up with some, oh, Scalia is is, uh, involved in a case that a company that like Cheney used to own stock in, you know, like there was some really just weak convoluted thing about how like this was, you know, uh, the appearance of impropriety or something. And, (laughs) and you had, I'll never forget you had people that were wearing a duck costume outside of Scalia's speech. And when someone stood up and asked him just the most snide question imaginable, I can't even remember what the question was, but it was just, you know, how can you be such a bigot? Supreme Court Justice Scalia, something like that. And he just was like, he sliced and diced the question. And then at the end, he went, quack, quack. And I was like, I like this guy, Scalia. I think he's great. He's a lot of fun. Uh, But here's what he said about the responsibilities of a Supreme Court justice. Just to give us a little bit of mature context here, some real thought and analysis on this. Play eight. We don't sit here to, to make the law, to decide who ought to win. We decide who wins under the law that the people have adopted. And very often, if you're a good judge, you don't really like the result you're you're reaching. You would rather that the other side have won. It seems to you a foolish law. But in this job, it's garbage in, garbage out. If it's a foolish law, you are bound by oath to produce a foolish result. Because it's not your job to decide what is foolish and what isn't. It's the job of the people across the street. It's not your job, Scalia said, to decide what is foolish as a judge. It is to interpret the law as written as it is. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris is running and saying, they're going to destroy the Constitution. No, no. Adhere to the Constitution. Give the Constitution the meaning that it was intended to have. Treat it with the respect and dignity that it should be afforded. Right. That's what should be happening here. And it's just astonishing to see how upset liberals are and here's why they the same way that they have this uh they had for a long time a lock on the mainstream media which gave them powers of persuasion which gave them gave them the ability to form the national political narrative in ways that were or are now unimaginable to us really right because at least now there's an opposition and i saw dan rather earlier today tweet something out he's basically like yeah you know this is really bad. I'm really, uh, I'm really worried about this. Well, let me find you the exact, the exact tweet here. I want, I want to actually get this for you because it was a pretty. Oh yeah, here we go. Wait, where did it? Ah, I thought I had it. Dan Rather was someone who was holding himself up as the, uh, as a true center of the road, nonpartisan newsman, right? That was his whole shtick. And there are others who do this, too. There are others at CNN who take the, you know, I'm center of the road shtick. I I don't have political beliefs or ideologies. And rather today, just let it rip. He's basically like, we need to fight against this. He's basically hashtag resist. Do we think that Dan Rather just became a a hashtag resistor now? No, he's been one all along. But he pretended to be something else. For a very long time, he pretended to be somebody who uh, didn't have political ideology, didn't have beliefs. But Scalia is reminding us that it's about the law as written, not the outcome that the specific justice wants. And that's where the big separation is with the Democrats. 
And that's why I have such, I'm just going to say it, I have disdain for the supposed legal reasoning of someone like Sotomayor. What Sotomayor does is figure out what do I want the outcome of this case to be, and then Sotomayor makes sure that her legal reasoning lines up with that outcome for the case. Right? That's how she does things. That's what Sotomayor, uh, that's what she's up to. And that's not the way the law is supposed to work. That's not the way it's supposed to function. Democrats have been using the Supreme Court as a super legislator, a legislature, for a very long time. And that is why, when you look at why they're so upset, that's why this is such a big thing. Okay, Dan Rather, by the way, Justice Kennedy, I found the tweet. I had to find it. Justice Kennedy retiring. If you are deeply disturbed, absorb the shock, but respond with even more determination. If you see this as a fight for the future of democracy, let those in power know that the will of the majority can still hold sway. First of all, that's just blather. What does that even mean? This is a fight for the future of democracy. What? It's completely legitimate. The president's going to pick a judge. Probably going to pick a judge like Gorsuch, who's like Harvard, Yale, super smart, genius lawman, and, you know, is going to be very fair-minded about things. I, I always like to see that the, the conservative justices will break ranks whenever liberty or individual rights are at stake in a meaningful way. You know, they, they will do things that sometimes the right, generally speaking, are not particularly excited about because they really believe in individual liberty. You know. Dan Blather, I'm seeing here. Oh, yes. That's that's definitely a... I like that. That works. That works. Dan Blather. Yes, this is about the future of the fight for democracy. Uh, good evening, America. My voice and my side part tell you all you need to know about how serious and intelligent I am. What a... The whole thing is such a joke. Right? Uh, you know, and, and that's why there's a little... That's why there's so much angst over at CNN, because they're the... CNN, you know, ABC too, but ABC only has a few news shows, right? It's not their whole thing. But CNN is like the last holdout. They're like the last guy on the island that doesn't know the war is over. They think that they can still get away with it. Like, oh, we're just down the middle. We don't have political ideology. We're not an arm of the DNC. We're just telling you the facts, man. Everybody has to rely on facts or else they have no credibility. They should just be honest about the fact that they take a left of center point of view. That's it. Then I would just argue with them on the merits, right? But instead, they live a lie all the time. And the Democrats with the Supreme Court live a lie, too, which is that they think that there's a need for balance and it's all about balance. No, no. They want balance when they're not in power. They want balance when they don't have the opportunity to put a hard left-wing justice in there who's just going to give the left what they want. Kagan, Sotomayor, these people don't. They don't ever, you know, surprise you. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go with the conservative wing on this one. Here's my take on this, too. And I know a lot of people disagree with me on this one. That's fine. But here's my take. The Supreme Court has now just become a political instrument, folks. That's what's going on here. That's why it's open partisan warfare over who the next justice is going to be, because we all know this. Supreme Court is a tool of partisan politics now. It shouldn't be, but that's what's happened. The same way the media became super partisan, same with the bureaucracy of the federal government we're seeing now with the deep state DOJ. By the way, we're going to talk about that in the next hour in depth. But super partisan there, too. You know, this is just what's happened. Um, and it's because 
the leftist mentality is a mob mentality. It is a collectivist mentality. And the only way, it is self-justifying through the acquisition of power. I do not believe that there are any underlying principles, cohesive principles of leftism other than power. I mean, they'll say equality, but equality is really a meaningless term. As the left uses it, it's whatever they say it is. So there is that. Uh, This fight over the Supreme Court is going to be ugly, but what's going to be interesting is that they can't really do very much. Uh, They can't really stop this. Uh, Chris Matthews is like, hey, we're going to stop this thing. We're going to stop it. It's going to be stopped. Chris Matthews is going to stop it. Blit 10. There are times to fight, and this is one of them. If the Democrats in the U.S. Senate allow President Trump to pack the Supreme Court with a 5-4 majority for the next 30 years, it's not something the progressive Democratic voter will soon forget. Democrats owe it to their party, their principles, and to their own survival to do to Mitch what Mitch did to them. Who thinks thinks Chris Matthews is somebody you should listen to about anything? Can I meet that person? Time for... Time for Chris to spend a lot more time on the golf course. All right, 844-900-2825, buck Much more coming. Stay with me, team. Donald Trump is in charge of communications at Fox News, so I guess it's only <laughs> fair that a Fox News executive is director of communications at the White House, right? A former Fox News executive. Uh, who who left under circumstances right. that he wasn't being forceful enough in dealing with the allegations of sexual harassment or whatever. Yeah, I guess Donald Trump was really concerned about that. That's yeah. why he, he he hired him. I mean, you know, it used to, I mean, you know, anyway, someone else talk. I can't even bear it. In a... I can't, I can't even bear it. I don't know. Tubin over there at CNN. Doesn't he have kind of a checkered past himself? Maybe he needs to slow his roll a little bit on, uh, being very high and mighty about all things Fox News. I'm just saying. Uh, he was referring to the hiring of Bill Shine. Bill Shine used to be the uh, deputy to Roger Ailes and then was, in fact, the uh, president of Fox News for a time. And now he's going to be, I think, a deputy chief of staff role for the uh, White House Communications uh, Wing, uh, White House Communications Department. So that's a big a big uh, shift that's going on there. Look, at, I think it's great. I mean, Bill certainly knows comms backwards and forwards, and uh, uh, he's a very nice guy. I know Bill a bit, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a chance to work with him in his new role in the White House, and congrats to him on the job. Also, another bit of news about staffing at the White House. Look, I'm here in the swamp, right, guys? So I like to bring you a little bit of a swamp's eye view of things. I don't know in the rest of the country. You're probably like, yeah, you know, whatever, but. If I'm going to be down here, I'm going to leverage it, right? I'm going to leverage the swamp access. Uh, but I see here that the the future of Chief of Staff John Kelly is probably, uh, well, he's not going to be around that long. That's that's what we're hearing. It's, it's unlikely that you're going to see John Kelly staying around a Chief of Staff. And that's going to be interesting because he's one of the few people, it's him, it's Mattis, that you know Trump respects, and you know Trump has no problem leaving in charge of things. But I wonder what, what's making Kelly, maybe, look, maybe he's just had enough, right? I'm sure the day-to-day of that role has got to be really tough. And can you imagine being, I, I actually spoke to some folks uh, today in the White House, you know, off, off the record, but I spoke, I spoke to 
people off the record. And, you know, it's just such a siege mentality because they are under siege. They're people, the press aren't trying to cover this White House. They are trying to just destroy this administration. And there's a difference. You know, they're looking for any slip up, any excuse to write the nastiest thing possible. Any piece of gossip that'll really undermine somebody, that'll end someone's career, that'll ruin someone's reputation, that has a real effect. And when you think about what that does, they're not speaking truth to power. The press isn't holding the mirror up to the powerful or something. No, 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 no. This is all just partisanship. It's hyper-partisan. It's Trump derangement syndrome. It's gross. The good news is, folks, there's a new sheriff in town here in the swamp. His name is Buck. Buck Sexton. Permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One Make, Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. So I'm going to say this to you, Mr. Ray, Mr. Rosenstein. I realize that neither one of you were there when this happened, but you're both there now. Uh, Russia attacked this country. They should be the target, but Russia isn't being hurt by this investigation right now. We are. This country is being hurt by it. We are being divided. We've seen the bias. We've seen the bias. We need to see the evidence. If you have evidence of wrongdoing by any member of the Trump campaign, present it to the damn grand jury. If you have evidence that this president acted inappropriately, present it to the American people. Uh, There's an old saying that justice delayed is justice denied. I think right now all of us are being denied. Whatever you got, finish it the hell up, because this country is being torn apart. Why did you tell Peter Strzok not to enter our questions yesterday? When I asked Peter Strzok if he'd ever communicated with Glenn Simpson, He gave us the answer he gave us dozens of times on advice of FBI counsel. I can't answer that question. Why couldn't he answer that question? Mr. Jordan, I appreciate your sincere concerns, but I didn't give Peter Strzok any instructions. If there was some problem with the instructions he had, I'll be happy to look into it. When you find some problem with a production or with questions, it doesn't mean that I'm personally trying to conceal something from you. It means we're running an organization that's trying to follow the rules. Why couldn't he answer that question? Mr. Jordan, I appreciate you saying it isn't personal. Sometimes it feels that way. How do I know, sir? I mean, I, you interviewed Mr. Strzok. I didn't, uh, so I can't Works for you. That. Doesn't work for us. There are 115,000 people who work for me. Man, it was feisty today down on Capitol Hill. Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show. That was uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein there getting into it quite a bit. Gowdy, all of a sudden, Trey Gowdy's back. You know, the, the Trey Gowdy that I, I thought we had, Kind of went away for all, and he was like, do I have total faith in the investigation? I'm like, no, Trey, do not say things like that. You don't know. It's too early to say that. I have total faith in Speaker and in, in, in Mueller. No, no, no. Don't do that. You, we don't have the findings to be able to assert that yet. And now he's out there, and he's fighting again. And Jim Jordan, by the way, we had Jim on my show, hill.tv slash rising, earlier in the week. And uh, it was a very interesting conversation. Man, you, you, you come after Jim. You know, I obviously find uh, Jim, to, I, I agree with Jim. I think Jim is, um, he's on the right track with all this stuff on, on oversight and FBI, DOJ, and what's going on here with the deep state. My co-host, who is, who is, uh, who is great, but progressive, 
uh, went after Jim, and it was it was fun to watch the the sparring between the two of them because Jim's one of these guys you can tell he like he likes to mix it up. He's like, yeah, you want to debate this? You want to argue? Let's go. By the way, Crystal feels the same way, so yeah, it was quite an exchange between those two. You could uh, you could see that on on our show rising. Anyway, uh, you have a couple of different issues here raised, uh, and and I think it's really important. First, first of all, I like that Gowdy's pointing out that the whole notion that this is about oh no, Russia and the elections and the the sanctity of democracy, and we need to stop Russia, and this has become a talking point. You know, do you believe Russia meddled in the elections? It's like when people say, do you believe in climate change? Well, yeah, but what does that mean? Sure, Russia meddled. Russia meddles in every election, folks. It's nothing new. Russia has been engaged in pushing its own propaganda and dirty tricks and paying for newspaper publications that are supposed to look like they're not paid for by the Kremlin. That's been going on for a long time. That is nothing new. Absolutely nothing new. So. When people say this stuff, I always turn around and want to say to them, well, what are you, what's your point? What are you really trying to say here? Yeah. And the answer is that they just use this as a tactic to shut down discussion and to force you to concede a point right away. Excuse me, sir, did Russia not interfere in our elections? Okay, yeah, Russia, but that you, I've said this to you, and I know that for some reason this doesn't really catch on, but it would be like saying, were there were there illegal votes tallied in the last election? Did the last election have illegal votes? Force every Democrat to answer this all the time. Did the last election have, have illegal votes for Hillary? The answer to that question is yes. Just 100% factually, yeah. There, there are people who voted illegally in that election. How many? We don't know. But the answer is yes. Could you say then, on, on the basis of the facts that are already known, because remember, people have gone to like people have gone to prison for voter fraud. People have. Uh, could you say then was the last election tainted by voter fraud in favor of Hillary Clinton? Well, the answer is of course yes. Was it two votes though, or two million votes? Who knows? But you could just force somebody. Was it tainted? Yes or no? Was it tainted? Well, you know, yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, okay. Of course, Trump won, so we wouldn't really want to do that. But you see what I'm saying, right? This this is a it's the same thing with do you believe in climate change? Yeah, I believe the climate changes. <gasps> well, does that mean that I believe that the world is going to end unless we put a bunch of internationalist bureaucrats in charge of, you know, what kind of food we can eat, what kind of electricity we can use, et cetera, et cetera? No, it does not mean all those things. It's this very politically loaded statement. And Russia involvement in our Russia intrusion into our election uh, interference is the word I was looking for in our election. That's another 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 buzz phrase. You know, did Russia interfere in our election? Yeah, but who cares? It didn't do anything. There's no real and notice how there there's so many there's so many different explanations for why Hillary lost that you know that there's no one explanation because then they just go with that. Right? Oh, it was Comey. Oh, it was Russia. Oh, it was you know it was this. It was that. Um. It's all garbage. But Gowdy's point here that Russia's not suffering, okay? Russia's not scared over this. Russia doesn't care. And Russia's also not going to stop. I asked James Clapper face-to-face. That was interesting. He is about as charming as a wet fart, by the way. I mean, he is not a lot of fun. Um, I just, I'm just saying. He's just not really, yeah. He's not a, you know, he's just kind of growly, you know, and not in a fun way. 
So, you know, anyway, I'm, I'm sitting there with him, and I, I ask him the question. I say to him, uh, you know, excuse me, sir, but, you know, how do we stop Russian interference, you know, going forward? And the answer is he had no answer. Well, I have to make a statement, uh, you know, make a statement about it. and uh... Yeah, we'll make a statement. That's really going to, Putin's quaking in his little Russian booties over that one. I don't think so. So that's all a pretext. All the, oh, we have to stop Russia, the sanctity of democracy, all those people running, that's all a pretext. It's all garbage. All right, 63 million Americans voted for Trump, had nothing to do with Russia. That's just crap. But that's part of this whole, sh- this is a charade. This is a farce, right? All this stuff about the investigation, we have to, oh, we have to find out the extent of Russian interference. No, we don't. It doesn't really matter. I mean, fine, if you want to, but that, they don't care about that. And Gowdy held them to account for that. But the, the bigger issue today, and I know I've gotten a little down into the weeds, down to the rabbit hole here on Russia and how that's just all just a big bunch of nonsense. The bigger issue here is the way that the Department of Justice is in straight-up CYA mode, and has been for a long time, doesn't want, uh, doesn't want to give us information, doesn't want to let us know what's, what's really happened here. And they don't have that right. People keep talking about our institutions and how we need to you know, keep in respect for institutions going, all that stuff. Guess what? How can we respect our institutions if some of them feel like they're above others just because they say so. What does it mean about congressional oversight if the FBI, if the Department of Justice, can just say no? Well, you know, we're going to subpoena those documents. Nope. Not going to give you those documents. That's a crisis, by the way. And it's so obvious to me that they are engaged in covering up malfeasance. And that's why Rosenstein was getting very agitated today. I mean, he basically just kept saying some version of, I'm not responsible for everything that happens at the FBI. I'm not, you know, it wasn't me. I didn't do the document redactions. Well, the reason he's saying he didn't do it is, one, it is true. He doesn't do the document redactions, but he is responsible for uh, the congressional, the, the complying with congressional oversight as the number two officer at the, uh, at the Department of Justice. And the reason that he's having to say this is because we've already caught them in shenanigans. We've already caught them involved in behavior That means that we should not, we cannot give them any longer on this issue the benefit of the doubt. They do not deserve the benefit of the doubt on this one, right? Whether it's redacting McCabe's $70,000 conference table. Oh, is that national security information, folks? McCabe thinks he's, you know, spending money like some kind of... uh, Rock star in the 80s? Yeah, man, I just won an $80,000 table, or $70,000 table, because why not? That's not national security information. They're holding stuff back for us. And, you know, Jim Jordan asked Peter Strzok, for example, whether he ever communicated with, with Glenn Simpson. And he also was asking about whether, why an FBI lawyer told, told Strzok he couldn't answer that question. Why can't he answer that question? They're hiding stuff. They're hiding stuff. And the whole thing stinks to high heaven absolutely stinks play 13 at precisely the same time that bob Mueller was appointed precisely the same time peter struck was talking about his unfinished business and how he needed to fix and finish it so donald trump did not become president he was talking about 
impeachment within three days of special counsel Mueller being appointed. Three days. That's even quicker than MSNBC and the Democrats were talking about impeaching. Within three days, the lead FBI agent is talking about impeaching the president. That does seem strange, doesn't it, folks? Not just any FBI agent, not just somebody who happens to work for the DOJ, the lead investigator on the counterintelligence probe is talking about impeaching the president. We know, we know that he's dirty. We know that this was wrong. When, when are we actually going to be able to talk about this in a way we don't have to say, well, maybe, kind of, sort of? This is just little deep state petty tyrants engaged in their own version of a soft coup. Going to stop this president. Going to stop this presidency. Look at how insane the media has gone over Trump. Right? Look at how completely deranged they are. That that's not just unique to the media. There are people that really have convinced themselves that Trump is a danger to democracy, that Trump is a danger to this country and that he's going to bring it all crashing down. Meanwhile, the country's great. Meanwhile, Trump is crushing it. All he does is win, 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 no matter what. And yes, we are not tired of winning. That is true. Uh, But here we are trying to get answers, trying to figure out um, what's going on here. And what we're seeing is that there is a cover-up underway. There is obstruction of justice that is happening here, but it's not President Trump obstructing justice. It is, in fact, the very instrument of justice in the federal government itself, the DOJ and its investigators at the FBI, who are obstructing justice. This is very unsettling. This is scary stuff. And when you have a deep state apparatus at the top reaches of the prosecutorial and law enforcement wings of the federal government. You've got a big problem. And, you know, who right now could have could have confidence if there was another high profile investigation, let's say that was started of any politician in the country or involving any very sensitive political issue. Would you have faith that the FBI would handle it fairly? I I would not. I they, they have lost. A lot of good faith for me on those issues. Remember, not on, you know, human trafficking and kidnapping and murder and cartels and you know fraud and white collar. I mean, all the other stuff the FBI, FBI is doing. Thank you, guys. Keep it up. Good work. OK, I'm talking about these politically sensitive investigations that involve a very small cadre of the overall organization. Right. There is rot at the top. I'm not saying there's rot in the rest of it. I've been very clear on this all along. You know, it's not the FBI field office in Omaha is not the problem. They're actually doing a great job in helping us keep this country very, very safe, given its size and everything else that's going on here. But it's some bureaucrats, some lawyers, really, in D.C., and then struck who uh, who have caused these problems. Um, and and the the obvious politics of this, I think, are are getting to a point where how can anybody... How can anybody pretend that this isn't just an effort to be part of the hashtag resistance? Well, a little more on this in a moment. I want to get into just how clear it is the Democrats have prejudged this whole thing. They don't care about the investigation. The process is the punishment. I've been saying it for over a year, and it's true. The process in this investigation is the punishment. I want to hear your thoughts. 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. Light up those lines. We'll be right back.
Every line is lit here in the hut, so let's get to it, my friends. Want to hear from all of you. Uh, let's do Damon in Connecticut. Hey, Damon. Hey, Buck. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for your call. Hey, on you know the whole argument about whether it's going to be policy change or not, you know where I see this going right away is is background checks, right? Universal background checks. So you so you mean in response to the shooting in uh, Maryland? Correct. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, the, the left is obviously going to go, you know, either ban everything or you know background checks because that's the easy place to go, and you know, however many percent support background checks, as do I. The only thing I have against the background checks is the reporting to the the National Criminal Instant Background Check system. NICS, yes. Yes. If, if people don't, you know, if, if departments don't uh, report, not too long ago, if I remember correctly, uh, there was a military branch that didn't report, and, you know, there was a military me- or ex-military member, excuse me, that, you know, went on a little bit of a, a – out of his mind, if you will, um, and shot up a bunch of people. It, 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 again, if, if you don't report or if you can't report, because there's some state constitutions, I believe Rhode Island is one of them, that actually says that they can't report to any federal system. Yeah, I mean, there's there's different, uh, you know, I I should uh, look up the ins and outs of, of all the uh, NICS reporting requirements these days, but uh, I know the different states go about this different ways, and, and even – Remember, there's what the regulation is and there's how successful we are or how successful the system is in, in implementing it. Right. So it's, right. It's, it's it's garbage in, garbage out. If you got bad information that goes into the system or no information that goes in the system, it doesn't doesn't work, doesn't matter for you. So. Right. And my 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 quick shut down the uh, the background argument is always, you know, are you willing to give up your HIPAA rights? You know, are are you willing to say, okay, you can report everything, whether it's from your general practitioner or if it's from a mental health provider, you know, and and right away, everybody's like, well, no. And it's like, well, then it'll yeah. never. Uh, but and we're, we're talking here about about, you know, shotguns, for example. This is right. there, there's there's no gun. All there is is a repeal the Second Amendment argument. There's no gun control argument you made about shotguns. Right. It's just not because if you can't have a shotgun, you can't have anything. I mean, that's that's completely. That's the. Right. I mean, I think even for folks who don't know anything about guns, they're like, yeah. I mean, I guess you could even in the UK, uh, you can get a permit for a shotgun, uh, not well, easily, but it's possible to do. Handguns are basically impossible in the UK. Very, very hard. Thanks for calling in from Connecticut, Damon. Appreciate it, guys. We got lots of lines lit. Uh, obviously, Damon just opened up a slot for us there. So if you want to call in, you can eight four four nine hundred buck. We will rack and stack calls. So if you're on hold. Stay with me, and uh, we'll get into that after the break. A little more here on the fireworks at Capitol Hill today. And then in the third hour, uh, John, what are some topics we should talk about in the third hour? What are we, we going to do? Oh, yeah, flight attendant. The flight attendant lady who kicked eight people off a plane because she didn't like their attitude. Oh, that's going to be fun. We'll be right back. For decades, credit cards have been telling us, buy it now and pay for it later with interest. Despite your best intentions, that interest can get out of control fast. With Lending Club, you can consolidate your debt or pay off credit cards with one fixed monthly payment. Since 2007, Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed-rate personal loans. No trips to a bank, 
No high interest credit cards. Just go to LendingClub.com. Tell them about yourself and how much you want to borrow. Pick the terms that are right for you. And if you're approved, your loan is automatically deposited into your bank account in as little as a few days. Lending Club is the number one peer-to-peer lending platform with over $35 billion in loans issued. Go to LendingClub.com slash buck. Check your rate in minutes and borrow up to $40,000. That's LendingClub.com slash buck. LendingClub.com slash buck. All loans made by WebBank. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. He's back with you now because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. They talk about the Mueller investigation. It's really the Rosenstein investigation. You appointed Mueller. You're supervising Mueller. And it's supposedly about collusion between Trump's campaign and Russia and obstruction of justice. But you wrote the memo saying that Comey should be fired. And you signed the FISA extension for Carter Page. So my question is to you, seems like you should be recused from this more so than Jeff Session, just because you were involved in making decisions affecting both prongs of this investigation. Why haven't you done that? Congressman, I, I can assure you that it were appropriate for me to recuse, I'd be more than happy to do so and let somebody else handle this, but it's my responsibility to do it, and uh, all I can well, tell how you is Then how do you have obstruction of justice possibility for a president exercising his powers to fire an FBI director that you said should be fired? And oh, by the way, the IG report makes it clear Jim Comey should have been fired. So why are we still doing this with the Mueller probe? Sir, I am not commenting on what is under investigation by the Mueller probe, and to the best of my knowledge, Neither's Mr. Mueller. You notice how you got a non-answer from Rosenstein there. Notice how when pushed on this issue of you were involved in some key decision making that crosses right over into the Mueller probe, including why was Comey fired? Was it obstruction of justice? You wrote the memo saying you should be fired. So shouldn't you recuse yourself from this, too? And his answer is, if I should have recused myself, I would have recused myself. Well, that's not an answer. Rosenstein, Rosenstein, sorry. He was testy today. He was surly. Producer Mike saw it too, man. Right, Mike? I mean, he was definitely looking like uh, he did not enjoy being in, being under, the, on the hot seat. Anyway, I'm talking to Mike, and I think Mike stepped aside for a second here. But uh, I've got a lot of your calls up. I want to, I want to get to them. Uh, oh, but by, you know, I also asked the attorney general about this. And look, Session said. I, I defer to Rosenstein's judgment. And Rosenstein's saying, you all better defer to my judgment. No one gives us an answer, because the answer is he should have recused himself, and everybody knows it. But he won't. Why? Because probably he loves the institution so much, and he thinks he needs to protect it. You know, I don't know if Rosenstein himself, I don't think Rosenstein is necessarily an anti-Trump guy, or is part of any of that stuff. I just think he's a tried-and-true bureaucrat who's doing whatever he can to to mitigate the damage. He's doing damage control for the feds, for the federal bureaucracy. That's what I think his motivation is here. Not to get to the truth, and it's not to expose the Mueller probe is preposterous at this point. It really is. All right, line's lit. Let's get to it. Thank you all, by the way. When I say, hey, guys, light up the lines, I always appreciate when I say, boom, we get calls all over the place. Uh, Tony in Dorchester, Mass. Hey, Tony. Hi, Buck. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I I just want to know, as a citizen, what can I do to get these people in jail? Because if I did 1% of what they've done, I'd be in jail. 
how do we get our elected officials to move from where they are to impeachment of the individuals who have been perpetrating these activities on us, the American people, by the shenanigans that they've been pulling? You know, when do we actually get when do we actually get justice, Tony? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah. Yeah. Something something like justice, some semblance of justice. <laughs> some some semblance of justice. The answer, Tony, is unfortunately I don't think we do. I think the best that we can hope for is that this finally clears and that they're no longer able to bog down the Trump administration, which is really they're hurting America with this. They really are. They are hurting these deep state bureaucrats are hurting America. And, you know, you say, when are people going to go to jail? I've told you, I don't know how long you've listened to the show, Tony. I've said all along, even when we find malfeasance, folks, even when we see that these federal bureaucrats were acting in politicized ways and they were out of line. What, what's going to happen is you're going to it's going to be, oh, well, you know, it was professional misconduct, but it wasn't criminal. What? You know, oh, it was their discretion, but it didn't arise to a criminal matter. That's going to be the case across the board here. I really think so. Now, I'm happy that people lost their jobs. But are you saying like nobody's going to jail? No, Manafort's I, going. I mean, I think Manafort's probably going to jail. There are some people, but none of these people struck is not going to jail. Oh, McCabe. Tony, I take that back. McCabe, he's in legal jeopardy. McCabe lied under oath a few times. He he's he's got problems, and he's a deep stater. He's an anti-Trumper. So there may be some punishment for some of these folks, but I mean the overall conspiracy here that's been waged against the American people. This this whole notion of and Tony, thanks for calling from Massachusetts. Um, that is no one's going to jail for that one. The FISA abuse, the unmasking. I don't even think there'll be anybody really. For the leaking, although I don't know, this guy from the Senate, what the Senate Intel Committee aide, he he may be in some trouble. The one who was having the relationship with the New York Times reporter, who was, who was, uh, the one getting these big scoops. Yeah, that did that. That doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. John in Bucks County, also known as my county, Pennsylvania. What's up, John? Ah, uh, not too much. Not too much. Buck, how you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, Shields high. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a question about your uh, your show, Rising. I saw it a couple times. I, I liked it a lot. Um, it had good graphics, I thought, and um, I, I like it the fact that there people aren't talking over each other. I could get that any on any cable news network. It's, uh, and you're getting some good guests too. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we're, we got well, some big guests hopefully in line for next week. Go ahead. I try to get it through the. Uh, I went to Hill TV on on Google. Does it? Does it can you actually get it through? Like, is there an app that it, you can actually get straight to it through? The best way to watch is go to hill tv slash rising r i s i n g. So you can't go through. You can't go through their thing then. If you go to the hill com, we often have a link on the home. That's the homepage of the hill com. But it right. changes depending on the show, and the easiest, just go to hill.tv slash rising. And just for all of you listening, by the way, it's meant to be watched really in, in bites, meaning, you know, in segments throughout the day. If you got time to watch the whole thing, please do. But, you know, you can watch a couple segments. We'll get you caught up on the news. And it's meant to be watched from either your computer or your phone. So that's, that's, that's what I was watching. Yeah, exactly. So that's, I'm trying to tell folks that don't think you have to try to get this on your TV. We are, we are constructing the show so that on your smartphone or on your uh, computer, you can watch a new show that's got some really interesting commentary and some great guests, and it'll bring you up to speed. So that's the plan. And like I said, hill.tv slash rising. So, John, check that one out for me, and then let me know if uh, 
if that gets it done, all right? Can I can I ask you one more question? What was yeah, the drink you had with Bernie San- with Bernie Sanders' uh, campaign manager? Oh, you mean what kind of tequila was it? Yeah, was that tequila? Uh, I don't know. I heard you say what it was. Like, <laughs> I oh man, it was a really it was kind of a rare. Uh, I, I'd never had it before. It comes in a pink bottle. I think wow. it's called an awesome. I think it's called an awesome. Broso, yeah, yeah. It's, well, reposado just means rested. It has to do with how long it's. Uh, so, okay. so for the, a quick, a quick tequila breakdown here, folks. Those of you who are curious about this, uh, blanco is the youngest tequila. So, whenever you get a blanco, that's the least aged. And then there's uh, reposado, which is a little more aged. And then there's uh, añejo, which is the the most aged. And so, if you like usually more of a smoky kind of taste, you want the añejo. Um, but I think it was in yes, I got it. Asombroso reposado. Uh, Asombroso Reposado La Rosa was what I drank with Bernie Sanders campaign manager uh, Jeff Weaver. By the way, it was delicious. And yes, it is like 11 a.m. sometimes when we do that show, uh, when we tape that segment, because we obviously can't do that live. It's 11 a.m. when we tape it. And yes, I do drink. So uh, you can imagine how the rest. And then I come to a TV. I mean, then I come to a radio show. But don't worry. I sober up before this mostly. Yeah. John, thanks for calling in, man. Try yourself some Asombroso Reposado. Um, yeah, Raphael in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Hey, Raphael. Hi, Buck. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for the call. In, in light of uh, the socialist Cortez, um, I was just wanting your opinion. If it would be better for us for the Democrats to nominate a typical big government liberal or a socialist such as uh, Scam Sanders. Or, or Ocasio-Cortez, who's now, uh, there's a lot of national-level interest behind this uh, young woman who just defeated Crowley. By the way, Trump, we, we got, we, 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 I, I had to pull some of the best moments of the Trump rally from last night in, uh, in South Dakota. Oh, I'm sorry, North Dakota. Uh, sorry, South Dakota. Uh, you know, I, I pulled some of the best moments from it because it was just a, he was just en fuego last night. Um, and he makes fun of Crowley and mentions this Ocasio-Cortez win. I mean, I think if you're asking, Raphael, what is better from the perspective of the GOP and and conservatism? uh, I want as many. Look, the Democrat Party is effectively socialism light. That's what it is. And I want as many Democrats as possible to be honest that they are socialism light so that the American people can respond to that truth. Right. Because what what you end up happening is Democrats, they, they always they pose as centrists and they say they're technocrats. You know, they're just about doing things smartly and based on the data. And, you know, they care about the poor and the working class. And there's all this stuff you'll hear. But at the end of the day, they want a massive government apparatus that can take as much from you as it sees fit and give it to whomever it sees fit. I mean, it's it's redistribution under the guise of equality is central to the modern Democrat Party. And, you know, the, the only part of the so, of the socialism equation that they really back away from is government control the means of production, right? That's classical socialism. But if you look at how much regulation and taxation and government intrusion into the marketplace the Democrats are clearly in favor of, uh, you know, it, it does exert a lot of control over the means of production, over businesses, over the productive classes. So that, you know, that, that's, I want honesty, Raphael. That's the answer to your question. I want them to tell us. I, I'll take a Bernie over a Hillary any day of the week. Because at least Bernie is telling us the truth about who he is and what he wants. All right. All righty. Chill time, my friend. Thank you for calling in. <laughs> we a little, yeah, that's right. Buck's getting, Buck's getting fired up. Um, so, yes, indeed. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, by the way, tonight I'll be on uh, Fox News. Those of you who, especially for those who are listening on the West Coast, it'll be around the 8 p.m. hour of your time. A little late for the rest of you, 11 p.m. I'm going to get about four hours of sleep tonight, so uh, I'm going to be a little, probably a little uh, woo on tomorrow's radio show. But I got, I got John and Mike with me in New York City, so we'll get through that, no problem. Uh, but yeah, I'll be with Shannon Bream tonight. Who uh, Shannon's the she's so nice, by the way. For those of you who watch her show, she is one of the nicest people. Uh, it's and you know I don't go on I don't go on radio and say oh this person's so nice and that person's so nice. Shannon is she is uh, just a, a very very kind person, a very talented broadcaster too. So I'm always uh, excited when I get a chance to go and do her show. Uh, we'll be talking on you know unfortunately about a very serious, very tragic subject, which is this uh, shooting. But I will be on during the. 11 p.m. Eastern hour on Fox News. Those of you that's too late for you, set your DVR if you want. And those of you who uh, are on the West Coast, hey, it's perfect. Right after dinner, you can uh, throw on Fox and I'll be there. And uh, I always like when I hear from all of you, by the way, about any Fox appearance because it makes me think that I got the team there with me. So you can send me your thoughts. Oh, and, and one more thing. Some of you figured this out. I always tell you to follow me on Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Uh, you know, and I want you to follow the page, but I've been doing... Facebook Live at the start of the show. So uh, you can, if you want to sort of see what's going on here in the Freedom Hut, get a little behind-the-scenes action. And I post them afterwards, too, so you can kind of watch and see what's happening here. It's a little fun behind the scenes. And uh, I'm thinking about doing a post-show or a pre-show with it, too. Just trying to figure it out and hoping I don't. I almost, I, I had a moment where I almost passed out on air yesterday. I was very, very tired. I mean, I was really, I got, like, woozy for a second. So burning the candle at both ends, team. But it's all worth it because I get to hang out with you. Like I said, third hour coming up here. We're going to have uh, the Trump rally, the best moments of it. So if you didn't get a chance to watch it, I'll give you the my favorite parts of it. Trump was just, he's just, he's incredible. And uh, then this airline stewardess who kicks eight people off the uh, off a plane because she doesn't like their attitude. And the fittest states, that'll just be a quick one. And then a big, a big roll call, big fat roll call segment. So that'll be fun. That and more coming up. Accurate. We have caught you hiding. Mr. Chairman, can we allow the witness to answer? Mr. Chairman, point of order. We can go to Mr. Jordan's press conference and listen to him, but we came here to hear from the the witnesses. The time belongs to the gentleman. Mr. Rosenstein. We allow him to answer? We have caught you hiding information. We allow him to answer. He will be permitted to answer when Mr. Jordan. Why do we have them here? allow him additional to answer. Why are they not allowed to answer? The gentleman's out of order. Mr. Chairman, he should be given the opportunity. Mr. Jordan. It's getting feisty there. I don't know that I, it's because people know, man, this is, they're running out of room to maneuver. The, the deep state and the Democrat fraudsters, they are running out of space on this one. They're not going to be able to just keep this, keep this game going forever. And eventually the American people are going to turn around and be like, wow, you guys are really disgusting. You've put the country through a terrible ordeal. You have uh, weighed down the Trump administration with nonsense. And there should be payback in the midterms. There really should. Wouldn't it be just just think for a second? Can I just how sweet would it be if in the midterms Republicans actually gain seats in the House and the Senate? After yeah, producer Mike has given me the mm-hmm. That's right, dude. Think about this. After what we've seen, after we've been through, Mike. By the way, are, are you feeling pretty good about it right now? I'm feeling pretty good about it. 
I think it's. I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I think it realistically we could gain in both. I feel very good about it. I'm I'm pretty positive. Yeah, because what it's what what are Democrats tell people? Oh, but vote for us. We're the people that freak out about everything and say that Trump is a fascist and a Nazi. Yeah. I, mean, I I just look sort of like when I when the before the election I was looking at Trump's crowds and the Trump supporters, and in my mind. I was looking, I'm like, he can't lose. I was, that's what I was thinking. I'm sort of seeing the same thing now. When I look at the rallies that he's having, he's been doing a few more lately. I look at his, his fans and his supporters, and I, I don't, he's delivered on a lot, not on everything, but I don't see how he can lose again. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I know he, technically Trump isn't, right? He's not up, but, right. but, but they're, it's Trump's party. I mean, right. I, I keep doing the same thing where I'm like, look, I mean, I think people are going to you know, support Trump in this midterms. It's like, I know he's not on the ballot, but come on, everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Trump's whole agenda gets stalled out if if we don't show up, if we don't turn out. And now that there's a Supreme Court seat that's in the mix. Here's an interesting thing, by the way, though. You, you got you can't take any risk here. They've got to get it through before the midterms. I just hope that if we get a great Gorsuch like judge through before the midterms happens that there then there's not a kind of like a, a sense of like relief and people don't turn out in the midterms you know what i mean i, I hope that if we get a gorsuch like figure uh through and it should only take a few months that people don't go oh okay you know game over we win it's like nope it's not game over they're gonna they've already said ocasio cortez has said you know uh, who just won in new york this and which means she's gonna win the general there's no way uh they're gonna impeach trump Think about what that's going to do. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to remove him from the House, but I mean, remove him from this with the Senate. But it's, it's just going to all all night see and oh my gosh, they're impeaching the president. Blah, you know. Seriously, CNN, they're going to act like they've run out of hairspray over there. Oh no, what will we do? So sad. We have a phenomenal hour three coming up. Stay with me. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to Hour 3 of the Buck Sexton Show, my friends. Trump was... Fired up last night in North Dakota. Man, he he is he is incredible as a live performer. I really mean that. As somebody who does a lot of live performance, as somebody who does a three-hour unscripted radio show every day, I see what this president is doing, and I just I I got I got nothing but respect for his gay man. This guy can he can get a crowd more into it and is just he's enigmatic. He is he is charismatic. It's in, it's pretty incredible. And to be, and I'm not trying to be ageist here, but to be his age and put out the energy he does at these things is just amazing. Uh, but he, he was there last night. Some very, very, uh, very, very important points made by the president. Also some fun ones that I want to get into. Also some very fun stuff. But uh, here's. Here's how the president was was addressing the issue of of Hillary and whether she's. Do we think that Hillary's Going to be being a good sport about losing. I and by the way, my theory about Hillary thinks she's going to uh, run again. I was going to say win again. She does think she's going to win again if she runs again, which she does think she's going to do. Uh, Biden thinks he's going to run again. Sanders thinks he's going to run again. 
they just the Democrats they'll keep banging their heads against the wall and they just don't give up. You know, they don't they don't understand that uh, we're not we're not buying what they're selling with that stuff. But Trump Trump had a great moment on the whole Hillary thing. Play clip one. I think maybe as important as the tax cuts or the regulations, our country was choking. And let me tell you, if our opponent, our wonderful opponent, when is she going to get over it? Never! Ever! When does she get over it? Ever! Never! I, I got to, you know what, I got to get to a Trump rally. I really do. I've never been to one. I've covered, I've watched so many. I've had to uh, analyze so many of them. I've actually never been to one, and I really do want to go check one out. It's, it's got to be, it's got to be an experience. I, I think that's a, I think that's a fair way to put it. But, you know, H- Hillary's never really going to get over losing, that's for sure. But also on the tax cuts and the regulation that Trump talked about, you know, you notice how little, and this is this is something we must keep in mind for the next few months. Notice just the economy. You don't hear about it. Why are you not hearing about the economy? Because, as we all know, perception drives a lot of economic activity. So positive market outlook and generally ebullient feelings about commerce, baby, in this country, uh, the, the, that can actually drive spending and investment and and just it can have an attitudinal effect on what people are doing day in and day out with their funds, right? Are they are they trying to hoard cash? Are they concerned about the future? Or do they feel like things are good and going to keep getting better? And Trump has had a profoundly positive impact as a president on all of that. Uh, and he also and people look, people are worried about trade. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I, I've you know, I've invested a little bit in some uh, overseas stocks. I mean, I, I would never lie to you guys, but that's just as a figure of speech. You know, I've invested in some overseas stocks in China, and uh, I've gotten hit. I've gotten hit pretty hard recently. So, you know the uh, the trade the trade talk. It's not without its pain. It does not uh, come without some some ish. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've I've gotten slapped around a little bit, but you know what? It's worth it. I think long term, and I think it'll actually be worth it for China long term too. I think that correcting China's behavior, standing up to the bullying tactics that China engages in on trade will be in everyone's best interest over the long run. You know, you think about what we've done in the past. You think about the 20th century, America standing up to and then either rebuilding uh, or in some cases overthrowing various regimes. And what came after it was often you look at you look at Germany, you look at Japan, you look at what we did in South Korea, much, much better. And I think that getting China to move away from its authoritarian impulses on trade could have really good, uh, really good effects for everything else going on in that country. But also in the long run, I'm just trying to think happy thoughts about China. No, you know, the truth is, folks, nobody really knows. Nobody really knows what's going to happen in the long run with China. Although I do think that a war is looming, unfortunately. It's about 15 or 20 years out. But, you know, for those of you who are gray beard millennials like me, our kids are going to have to worry about a possible military confrontation with china but on trade trump spoke uh, in again this north north i was gonna say north korea rally whoa buck's tired buck's at that tired point of the show where he's just like man sleepy uh but he, he's speaking of north dakota not to be confused with north korea 
And here's what we said on trade, play three. And then when I want to raise the game and play the game of poker, a game that we can't lose, I'll get even politicians, mostly Democrats, but even a couple of Republicans. They'll say, we want free trade. That's not free trade. That's not fair trade. When we're $500 billion down, they say Trump is starting a trade war. I say, no, the trade war ended a long time ago. And the United States lost because our leaders didn't take care of our people and our companies. So we're not starting a trade war, but we'll finish it. And you know what? In the end, you know what's going to happen? And it's already happening. They're going to come to us and they're going to say, hey, let's work it out. And we're going to work it out. Yeah, that's right. This is what I've been saying all along. China doesn't want to have all kinds of disruptions in its trade with us either. Right. So we're going to we're going to make a deal. You know, people used to make fun of this president, say, oh, he's not, he says he's a deal maker. He's not a deal maker. Actually, that's what he's going to do here. I really believe that. And, you know, he also had his uh, groundbreaking up in Wisconsin for a $10 billion Foxconn factory complex that could bring thousands of jobs to Wisconsin. Uh, So this is what I mean about how optimism and investment and, you know, all of the things that Trump is pushing for here have impact on on you on me this matters to us right what trump you know said to like a miss america contested 15 years ago allegedly or something like it doesn't matter to your day-to-day it doesn't matter to my day-to-day either this does uh, this does indeed oh he also went after uh <laughs> went after crowley i think he gave him an, a nickname too. remember crowley got beat by Ocasio-Cortez, who's a socialist, a straight-up socialist in Queens. She's 28 years old. What does she know about the economy? What does she know about any of these complex political issues out there? I'm guessing not a whole lot, but she's compelling. She's telegenic. Anyway, Crowley, the machine politician from Queens, got toasted, and Trump pointed that out. Play four. Last night, we had a great evening. Because we watched that television and we were winning left and right. They didn't know what the hell happened. And one of my biggest critics, a slovenly man named Joe Crowley, got his ass kicked by a young woman who had a lot of energy. Young woman with a lot of energy. That's true. She wasn't low energy, that's for sure. But slovenly Joe Crowley, that's... Trump's nickname stick, man. That's why you can't mess with Trump. He will nickname you. And once he nicknames you, it is all over. Uh, and, and then just real quick, also, Trump mentioned the honor that he felt because Kennedy retired. Well, this is something that's come up. I even uh, you'll see tomorrow I'm, I'm speaking to or I'm speaking to uh, Professor Jonathan Turley about the Supreme Court vacancy. And, and he even says that, you know, it feels like. The Supreme Court's in good hands now based on the Gorsuch pick. Uh, Trump understands that. He agrees, obviously. Play clip two. Justice Anthony Kennedy, a very special guy also, just announced a little while ago his retirement from the United States Supreme Court. Great man. And I'm very honored that he chose to do it during my term in office because he felt confident in me to make the right choice and carry on his great legacy. That's why he did it. Amen to that. 
Amen. All right. We got to talk about whether our airlines, many totalitarian states in the sky, the latest story uh, coming up in just a few. Flying on a commercial airliner, folks, is the closest experience most Americans will ever have to being in a totalitarian state. Somehow, through the wonders of technology, I can walk around with a phone in my hand that can get a hundred different kinds of food delivered to me. I can buy an endless amount. I can buy a diamond ring. I could probably buy an old Soviet tank if I had the cash flow, use some cryptocurrencies to start a revolution somewhere overseas. I got all kinds of power with my phone all because of technology. But when you're on an airplane, you are in the stewardess's world, and that's just the way that it is. I'm sorry, John just corrected me. Flight attendant. See, I'd be kicked off right now. I'd be toast. They'd be like, excuse me, sir, you need to get off this plane. You've just, your attitude, I'm not having it. I don't know why that was the flight attendant voice that came into my my head, but that's what ended up happening there. And... And we had an, another incident. And by the way, everyone now loves to, to uh, do the video on these things because, you know, we all, we've all been there, man. We've all been on a plane. We know the airline doesn't care about us. We know the airline is just going to treat you like, you know, r- refuse that they have to lug around because you've paid them, you know, some cut rate, blah, blah, dot com fare, right? They don't care about you. They don't care what you think about them. That's how the airlines are. But here we have another one of these cases where a Delta, uh, a Delta attendant uh, on a on a June 23rd flight to Fort or, or from Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I've been. Actually, we've got our wonderful affiliate. Whoa, whoa. Out in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Whoa, whoa. Uh, you know, so I was out there not too long ago. So high five Fort Wayne. But a, but a flight from there. A Delta attendant didn't like the attitude of a woman who she told to put her phone in airplane mode. And she then, the, the attendant, this is according to the Daily Mail, proceeded to kick eight people off the plane because she didn't like the attitude around her. And she said she didn't feel safe. And you can watch the, the whole video. We've got some of the, the audio quality is not great. I want to play some of it for you just so you can hear what's going on. Go ahead, John. Yeah. Okay, so once again, because I, I have to document this. Texas. We're going to go? figure this out. Let's see what we got. So let's document and this. let's see what the first aircraft is. our flight tonight. Can you guys please repeat what you just told me so that I have proper documentation of it for the course? This courts. is our last flight tonight. And why are we not boarding this flight? The flight attendant didn't feel she felt uncomfortable, unsafe, because you guys would, to her, she didn't feel that you guys were listening to her. She didn't feel safe. Okay, so she didn't feel safe because she... You throw people on the street. That's what you do? I'm from Texas. What am I going to do, So sir? Delta Airlines is refusing to get us on a flight tonight and also not paying what for us to I stay in a hotel. What am I supposed to do? Where do I go? Because we... Ask the flight attendant... But we'd be glad why we were going to be detained. 
So they're 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 gonna be they're glad to rebook us in the morning, but we're stuck in. So Delta Airlines just kicked about four of us off the flight, including a man and his child, because the flight attendant didn't like what we had to say. They will not put anybody up in a hotel, and we have to spend the night. So, so apparently what ended up happening, and we had the audio of this too, but the audio is so low that we didn't want to play it for you. But Robin Rogers was the passenger who got this whole thing started. She was told to put her plane on airplane mode. See, here's my problem with this, folks. They don't know if your phone's on. Uh, I said plane. They don't know if your phone's on airplane mode. You can have every passenger on that plane with their phone pinging all kinds of signals. They don't check. They don't know. So if it really could bring down the plane, oh, no, it's such a safety risk. I mean, we're all on the honor system with the whole phones on airplane mode thing. That's just a fact. You're on the honor system. All right. And and the likelihood of, and people call me, I've had pilots that send me angry messages when I say this. I know about the science, my friends. The likelihood of your cell signal interfering with the airplane's communications is like less than getting you know struck by lightning. While you're indoors, okay? It's just not going to happen. If it would, think about it. If it could happen, how many people do you think on our plane, the instructions are a different language or something? They don't, they don't turn off their phone. They leave it on. You get to a certain height, by the way, you get up to, uh, you know, 30,000 feet or something. And guess what? You, you, you can't reach a signal anyway. You know, your phone doesn't work up there. So the whole thing to me is just complete and utter nonsense, right? I mean, this is. But you can tell, you see this this uh, stewardess, whatever, flight flight attendant, sorry. You see this flight attendant, and and she looks like she's having a bad day, and she decided to boot people off the plane. And this is what I mean about a totalitarianism. There's no, there's no one to go to when you're on the plane. When, when the airline decides that your day is ruined, that your time is not valuable, that, you know, basically sucks to be you. Uh, when the airline decides that, that's just reality, folks. You know, there's there is no help. There is no hope for somebody else coming along to make your day better. The airline can ruin your day and get away with it. And you have no recourse whatsoever. And you got to do what they say. You got to obey their stupid rules. The whole thing. Right. Oh, man. You know, I'll say one thing about military planes. At least you get in the back. I know the seat's not exactly comfortable. Right. You're getting some getting some of those. uh those benches and stuff, you got to strap yourself in, put a harness on. But, you know, at least you don't have somebody saying, excuse me, sir, can you turn off your Kindle? I'm like, my Kindle's not going to crash the plane, lady. This is the dumbest thing ever. You know what they used to do? They used to make you turn off, and they, they did this meal at times, turn off your Kindle, and everybody with a functioning, you know, with, with two functioning brain cells is like, uh, the electronic interference from my Kindle is nothing compared to all the electronics inside this plane. There's no way that it could do anything to crash this. And they eventually, yeah, they eventually changed it. You know, that they got rid of it. But the airline regulations are, are just really, really oppressive and dumb. And you're at their mercy. And you know what, too? This is what really, get ready for this. This really burns me up, too. We all now are able to name and shame these airlines when they step out of line and do really bad things. We're all in a position where we can take these videos, take the photos, and, and everyone freaks out. Oh, my gosh. And airlines have done really, they've, had people pulled off of planes and people beat up because they sold the seat to somebody that already bought the seat because they overbooked. They're killing dogs. They killed someone's French bulldog like a bunch of friggin' savages. And nonetheless, uh, people will still just look for the cheapest flight possible. 
So we do not have any real economic recourse against these airlines, against American, United, Delta. They're just going to be like, yep, you want to fly? You want the cheapest flight? Deal with it. And you know what all of us do? We go, okay, I know you ruined my day and made me sit on the tarmac for 12 hours last month, but I want the cheapest flight, so okay. That's what ends up happening, you know? We end up just going along with it because we want that bottom rate fare, my friends. That's what we want. So we take the abuse. We allow the Soviet-style mentality to take over inside that cabin. Let it be a flying prison. Like like we're hanging out in, in a little extension of the gulag circa 1965. So, yeah. Uh, as you can tell, I, I got beef with, I got beef with you. It's they just but the problem is we all put up with it because we want cheap fares, my friend. So I guess it's really in a sense. It's really on all of us. Um, All right. I'm going to tell you about the fittest states in the country. What are they? You want to hear this? Be right after the break. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. What is the fittest state in the union? Mirror, mirror on the wall. What is the fittest state of all? This from a U.S. News and World Report. And, you know, you, you start jumping all kinds of, of uh, conclusions when someone throws this out there. You might think to yourself like I did. Wow, well, the fittest state, huh? What uh, and and who knows how they can really even measure this? I don't know, but not that many surprises here. I'll give you the top five uh, and number five here on the fittest states in the United States. Massachusetts at five, twenty nine percent of Massachusetts adults get enough exercise. So you know, roughly one in three. Uh, that's that's pretty high. But you know what? You know what I think that is. I think they're kind of cheating a little bit there because. There's so many colleges in Massachusetts that there's a an overabundance of adults that are in their early 20s. And when you're in college, yeah, you all everybody exercises, right? You got to look good at that frat party. So I think that that's a little skewed. But yes, indeed, Massachusetts, number five on the list. Next up is New Hampshire. Adults who got enough exercise, 30.7 percent. The only state, according to this U.S. News uh, report here, where a greater share of women than men got enough leisure time exercise. I, I wonder why that is. You know, I, I, went, I don't know much about New Hampshire, honestly. Uh, I hear good things. I've spent a lot more time in Vermont. I feel like is New Hampshire's close cousin. Then I saw this one. I found it hard to believe. District of Columbia, number three. Uh, District of Columbia, I'm going to be honest with you. So I'm down here. It's the swamp, right? So maybe there's some special thing about being in a swamp where your lungs have to, uh, you know, work harder to breathe the gross lobbyist infected air down here or something. But I'll tell you this. Maybe the district has people who are fit. uh, And it's probably because there's a lot of government employees who have plenty of time to go do whatever they want because we know they're not working hard. Ho! But I got to tell you, it is the least stylish city I've ever seen in my life, meaning that. It has no regional style. It has no regional flair. It's just like this mishmash of people who all look like they've been, you know, fishing, uh, fishing out of the Ann Taylor Loft 
sale bin somewhere. You know what I mean? Like it's there's no real sense of you know you don't have you don't have cowboy boots in Stetsons. You don't have people walking around wearing uh, a lot of seersucker that actually look like they should be wearing seersucker. Um, you know, there's there's no real flair to this place. Yeah, that's right. I talk a lot of smack about the swamp. It's true. You know what the worst part of this is, though? If, if you're looking at, well, maybe not the worst. The drivers in D.C., it's like there was some special convention where they decided, let's gather all the worst drivers, the, the people with the worst vehicular control in the country, and put them all in one place. You know, the people always talk about how the traffic in the District of Columbia is bad. I'm like, it's only bad because people can't drive worth the crap here. People have no, no wheel skills in the district. But apparently we're the third fittest state in the country. I'm not even really a state. That doesn't really count. This didn't surprise me at all. I got to say Idaho, 31% of Idaho adults get enough exercise. That makes perfect sense to me because, you know, you got all the outdoor you know, hiking and uh, biking and whitewater rafting. I remember I went whitewater rafting on the Snake River when I was a kid with my family. That was so much fun. Uh, you know, Idaho, I was out there a couple of years ago. I have given the keynote address to the Idaho State GOP convention, as one does. And uh, it's, it's a great place. But you know what's happening in Idaho? And some of you who are living in Austin are like, yep, that's what happens. Idaho is getting all the spillover of people who just love California, man, but they can't pay those high taxes anymore. So they all leave California and go to Idaho, just like I know that's also happened in Texas, particularly with Austin. Austin's now getting overrun with California, people fleeing California who then want to institute the same policies in Texas that made California so problematic for them. So, uh, I know, it's, it's what happens. And number one state for exercise in the United States, according to U.S. News and World Report, is, drumroll, Colorado. I, I can't be a surprise at all, really. All the uh, skiing, outdoor stuff. Uh, Colorado sounds like a real gem of a state. I'm going to tell you something. I've really never spent any time there. So... I need to get out there and get skiing. You know, we need to get out there and uh, see some of our Colorado-based affiliates. So I just want to share that with you. Colorado's, you know, very fit. Yay for you, Colorado. Uh, but the district, I don't know how I even got on this list. We got roll call coming up. Stay with me. The show ain't over yet, folks. Keeping it real. It's time for Roll Call. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to start an acapella group, everybody. It's going to be called the Bucktones or Buckerific or something like that. That would be, you know, part of the, the lore or part, part of the culture of nerdy acapella groups is, in fact, to come up with the dorkiest name possible. So that's a good thing because there's some truth in advertising with all that. All right. Let's get into the roll call and... Here we go. First up, we have Lauren, who writes, whoa, um, check this out. And she sent Creed Greatest Hits on her playlist. Lauren, you're a brilliant woman who clearly understands great music. 
we can all sit here. We can pretend that we don't like Creed. But I know that many of the gentlemen listening to this right now, when no one's around, you know, they, they're sitting there and they start doing their version of Creed, probably in the shower, you know, with arms wide open. You know, they, they you got to everyone. Everyone has a Scott Stapp impression. Everybody has one. They can pretend they don't. But I'm telling you, they do. You know, the same people who say they don't like Creed also say they don't like Nickelback. And I'm telling you, Nickelback comes on and they say, oh, I hate Nickelback. And then they're like secretly in their mind. It's pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. I'm not saying it's amazing, right? I'm not crazy, obviously. But I'm just saying it's not the best thing ever. All right. We have uh, next up, Poncho sent me a panda bear waving hello. Well, Poncho, I send you a black bear waving hello in response. TJ. TJ's a regular in roll call. Follow up to my question from yesterday. Let's game this out a little bit. I say Trump should try to get a conservative justice pushed through before November. Like you guys said on Rising this morning, that will put senators like Heidkamp and Manchin on the spot. If nominee gets through, we're good to go and libs are crushed. But if Trump can't get his nominee through, he should withdraw his nominee and come back to the American people and say, see, we need more conservatives in Congress, so get out and vote. Justice scenario, but I think it's the best tactic to avoid another swing vote justice. Yeah, no, uh, TJ, he should go. Got to go all in now. Get it done now. Ain't no time like the present. Ain't no party like a team buck party because a team buck party don't stop. Uh, in case you haven't heard that in the voiceover guy. Have we played that one yet? He did a voiceover for us that was like that. And I was like, this is amazing. Uh, yeah, we need to get this justice through before the midterms. There can be no waiting. There is no waiting. There is no time like the present. Rob, next up here. Uh, hey, Buck, love your show and what you do. Listen daily. Know that lefties stuck in the ditch are being pulled out daily by Mr. Trump's successes. The more they are pulled out, the closer we become as a nation, even if it takes a crane. Thanks for letting me share. Shields high from Rob. Well, Rob, I sincerely and truly hope you are correct. I really do. I, I worry sometimes that the left has become so poisoned with their anti-Trumpness and, and, and have become so, in many ways, maniacal about Trump that they have started to think that good is bad and bad is good. You know, they, they have lost all sense of perspective. And that's a troubling thing because, you know, I, I almost I almost hesitate to say this out loud because it makes me feel like I'm or makes me sound like I'm too much of a softie. But I really want the best country, even for leftist loons. You know, I, I, I want the economy to be good, even for the idiots of Antifa, because maybe they'll get a job. You know what I mean? It's not Antifa! that I want some... Antifa! Dude, John, perfect drop. John is so money with the drops this, this month, I got to tell you. Uh, it's true, though. It's true. It's I, I want the best for everybody. I'm a big old softy. I just got to tell them when their ideas are dumb. Got to tell them that. That's what I'm here for. Nick. And I think Nick is new. Buck, please make your podcast available on Spotify. That's what almost half of 19 to 20 year olds get their content on. I'd love to see it happen soon. Producer Mike, can we do that? Can we get it on Spotify? I hadn't even thought about that. That's a uh, that's exciting stuff. That's a good idea. 
Hey, John, can you tell Mike? Um, Mike is probably taking a phone call from one of uh, one of Mike's ladies right now. Mike's a, Mike's got an active social calendar. That's all I can tell you. The ladies, they like producer Mike, you know, and I get to live vicariously through producer Mike because I'm obviously on Miss Molly lockdown. But uh, producer Mike is out there. You know, this is what happens when he steps away from the desk for a second. I start talking about his, his social life when he can't. He's not there to defend himself. He's probably just like, you know, using the restroom right now. But I'm, I'm letting him have it. Anyway, Mike, we'll, we'll give you your chance tomorrow on, on Freestyle Friday to uh, set me straight. Bryce writes uh, about a promising research for celiac treatment. Oh, Bryce, interesting. Yeah, man, I would love for celiac disease to be cured. It is a drag. It's a bummer. There's nothing to recommend it, nothing good about it. I find it very, very annoying. Uh, I would love to do this show sponsored by the most glutinous beer, eating the most glutinous bagels imaginable, but instead, you know, I got to wait a while for that. But I got I got my Black Rifle coffee, got my Peter Millar gear, got my Nine Line Apparel, you know, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I wish I could drink beer, and uh, I can't. You know what? That's actually not even true. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't miss beer. I really don't. I miss uh, I miss bread sometimes, just because of the convenience of it. And I miss being able to eat. Like at my little sister's wedding, they had uh, what is it? Uh, coconut shrimp. You know the shrimp that are that have the coconut and they're deep fried and oh, coconut shrimp are amazing. Yeah. It's the only thing that's better than coconut shrimp might be bacon wrapped shrimp, but I don't know. It's a close call. It's a close call. Aries next up here, right? Church of the freedom hunt. That's pretty good. I think I laugh more at your show than any other. Well, when you let loose, that is, well, Aries, thank you. I'm trying, you know, it requires a, a fair amount of energy to do this show. So it's funny. Some days I come in and I'm tired because I've been working all day. Uh, lately, you know, because I've been l- launching this show here in D.C. By the way, I-, I hope all of you at least had a chance to check out uh, Rising on Hill.TV. So you just go to Hill.TV slash Rising. You can watch uh, the clips we have there. Uh, we got to work on our tech a little bit because we can't show old shows, so it's only day of shows, but you can watch it anytime you want. You can watch any clips you have. I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but we may have, like, a really big interview scheduled for next week, so just just saying. Uh, we'll see. Monica says, hey, Buck, great show, but Charlottesville is technically in the South, but not the South. I was born and raised 20 minutes from there. It is full of leftist academia types, probably similar to Amherst. Your y'all sounds authentic, though. Keep using it. Well, thanks, y'all. Uh, Charlotte, I haven't spent that much time in Charlottesville since I was a, a kid. We used to go there for Fourth of July or Thanksgiving every year. We used to pack in all six of my of my immediate family members into a Cadillac sedan that for a number of years we used to get into, even for the 4th of July trip, and didn't have air conditioning. And I'm pretty sure my dad bought the car for a dollar. Uh, but that's what we, we used to roll. It was about an eight-hour drive in with I-95 traffic back in the day. That was what you call a character-building experience, you know. We used to sit in the back of the car and play games. One of our favorites was we'd, we'd just, like, ask my dad was probably bleary-eyed with exhaustion after driving us for hours and hours, you know, leaving the office to try to beat the traffic. You never beat the traffic on Fourth of July or Thanksgiving weekend. You're just in the traffic. We'd be like, Dad, excuse me, but I would like to know what would win in a fight, a pterodactyl or a blue whale? 
And my dad would, he's a very, very learned fellow, try to work, try to work us through, well, are we talking about if they both were to meet temporarily on land? Because otherwise there might be some difficulties here as pterodactyls can't really swim and blue whales can't really, ah, excuse me, sir. Blue whale versus pterodactyl. Who comes out on top? Three rounds, no holds barred. And he, he, he would humor us, you know. This is obviously a game that I, I was, if not the creator of, certainly very interested in, in propagating. I may have been the creator of it. Um, we had some better ones, though, like which, you know, which bear wins, which bear is best, stuff like that. Uh, I'm, you know, I don't know. Some people to this day get very, very fired up. They say that a, a, a grizzly bear from Kodiak Island, because of its overall mass, would probably be able to overpower even the largest polar bear. But I don't know, man, polar bears can be mean. That's really what it would come down to, though. It's either a grizzly or a polar. I think polars are, are bigger all in, but there you have it. Uh, see, I get excited about the game even still. Gail writes, hey, Buck, I enjoy listening to your show in the PM. Shields High in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Trump aggravates the left because he is telling the truth. I am seeing more and more Republicans stand up with the truth that needs to be said. Look up the North Charleston mayor. That was a hoot. Well, Gail, I will have to look up this North Charleston mayor. I'm not familiar with him. Uh, but thank you for your message. And everybody, thank you for listening. I know the Freedom Hut podcast is delayed again for a day. I am so, so sorry about that. It has been a crazy, crazy week. And I want to put out the best podcast possible. It will, without fail, be available for you tomorrow for your weekend listening enjoyment. We will have my favorite martial arts movies. We'll have the truth of the Spanish Inquisition. We've got all kinds of fun stuff. If you want to listen to that, you can just go on Stitcher or iTunes, the Apple Podcast Store. Type in the Freedom Hunt with Buck Sexton. And uh, also, please, it's uh, a big help whenever you check out any of our sponsors. So that is something that I would uh, very much hope you get a chance to do. Um, I'm always trying to get you only the best, only the best sponsors uh, here for the show. And so there you have it, folks. And I just randomly put on some music on my computer by accident as I, as I was about to close out the show. So we've got uh, a lot to talk about tomorrow. It's going to be Freestyle Friday. I'm going to be up in NYC, which is exciting. Uh, until next time, my friends, you have your orders. No matter what comes your way, no matter what your day looks like, no matter how kind of how. Yeah, you know what I'm going to say. Shields high.